it's easy to feel like you have to tackle every problem. But if, for example, you care about the climate, first and foremost, you're going to make very different choices than someone who's totally focused on racial justice and shrinking the racial wealth gap. You know, shrinking the racial wealth gap, you might be focused on actually spending more, but spending it differently, like spending it at businesses owned by people of color and seeking out products made by people where if you're climate focused, your focus might be spending as little as you can, cutting meat out of your diet, getting rid of your car. Like it's going to lead you to different choices. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast, where we talk all things budgeting, debt and saving money. Have you ever wondered if you can actually make a difference when it comes to creating a better planet for generations to come? Well, I have. And to be honest, sometimes it feels like any choice I make isn't big enough. However, Tanya Hester has a different philosophy. She has a new book out titled Wallet Activism, and it's all about how to use every dollar you spend, earn, and save as a force for change. In this episode, we're going to be diving into real things you can do to make change when it comes to how you spend or don't spend your money. Let's dive into the interview. Welcome, Tanya, to the Inspire Budget podcast. I'm excited that you're here joining us today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you sent me your new book, Wallet Activism. Thank you, by the way, for that. It's fun to actually get like things in the mail that I didn't buy myself. That like, <laughs> cause it was a gift, you know, like I'm, it, it's one thing to like see Amazon packages or something like that arrive at my door, like things I expect is another thing to get like letters in the mail or books from friends. So thank you. But I've started reading it and when I read it, I'm not going to lie to you at first. I was like, is this going to depress me? But I actually felt hope as I was reading through and we'll dive into like why I felt hope and how your book gives hope. But I felt hope for my kids, like for my future, that my kids, my two boys are going to have that their world will be greater than ours and that we can have a greater impact and leaving the world to them. So all, all thanks to, you know, being really mindful of how we're spending our money, which is crazy to think of that. So all of that to say, (laughs) can you just share with the listeners exactly what wallet activism is? Yes. And um, I'm so glad that you are taking hope out of the book because I think when we talk about the problems in the world, it's easy to feel Mm -hmm. depressed and feel powerless. And I think that's honestly a bit by design. That's yes, what- right there. What you said, powerless. It's like, yes. what What can I do? Like, what, what can little old me actually do? And I love that you actually talk through like, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. And that's how everyone feels. But there are things you can do. Can we do everything? No, but together we can do something. Absolutely. And so really, I think that's what wallet activism is. It's recognizing the power that you have Mm -hmm. and the power that honestly, the, the folks who currently profit off our existing system would rather you not recognize you have, Mm -hmm. and it's using that power in all its forms. So we tend to think about, okay, maybe what I buy or don't buy at the store matters. And that does matter, Mm -hmm. but we have power in so many other ways. It's the type of work that you do, where you choose to live, how you give your money away. You know, we often call that charitable giving, where you put your money in the bank, how you invest it. It's it's really a hugely broad re- reaching topic. And the good thing about that is everybody's power is going to look 
a little bit different. And so you can use your financial power, however it works for you. And, and so, like you said, I think it's really flexible and adaptable and I think, yeah, it gives us something hopeful to do when we look out at the world and we go, oh my God, like (laughs) everything's terrible. Uh, What do I do? Uh, Or what can I do? You know, instead of feeling hopeless, we can say, yes, there's Mm -hmm. actually a lot I can do. And that stuff matters. Mm -hmm. I remember this is like, I can't believe I'm actually going to tell this story. And I can't believe this made me think of it. But I remember I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. And I was talking to my favorite teacher ever. Her name was Miss Perales. She was my English teacher. And I had I was very lucky to have her two out of my four years of high school because she moved up. And I remember looking at the state of the world. This was, you know, 2000, 2005, 2004, 2005. I remember looking at the state of the world. And I went to her and I said, is it going to get better? Like, is this, is society like a pendulum where it swings from one, one end to the other? And are we just at this like far end of society? And is it like a pendulum? And she was like, oh, Allison, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Like, wouldn't it be (laughs) like, that's so hopeful of you, Allison, to think that like, you know, people change and I, I don't know. And so I remember thinking that like, her response highlighted, you know, just how naive I was, but it also like, it kind of tore me down because it gave, it made me feel like, well, then what's the point of trying to make a difference in anything? Because I have no purpose, like I not, not no purpose, but I can't make an impact. Like I want to anyway, I don't know. That was kind of depressing, but, but all of that to say, I want to know your journey with really how you got into researching and learning and noticing that we can actually make a difference with how we do and do not spend our money. Mm -hmm. I think that she was right and she was wrong, your teacher, (laughs) because I do think that things swing back around. Mm -hmm. It just might sometimes take a really long time. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the cycles in society, it absolutely swings back and forth. If you look historically Mm -hmm. and you know, I do think even since I wrote the book, because you you know this, book timelines are really long between the time when the book is actually in someone's hands and when you're talking to publishers about it and when you're writing it, a lot of time passes, years. And mm-hmm. so since I wrote it, there is a lot of stuff that's happening that's really hopeful in mm-hmm. the way of climate investment, um, things happening around the world and in the U.S. So it's all um really good that said, you know, we haven't fixed all our problems yet. And I'm talking both environmentally and socially. Um, So for me, you know, I I think I come at this very much from a place of someone who cares a lot about the world. I spent my career back when I worked um, doing social change consulting. So I helped clients who were really interested in making positive change in the world, achieve their goals. And um, that was very much aligned to my own values. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I was saving to retire early because my dad was forced into early retirement by his disability. And I knew that I had the Mm -hmm. same thing. And so I didn't want to be at the mercy of the system. And I sort of looked at this and I went, wow, I'm really not in alignment here. You know, I'm working by day to try to advance causes that I care about. And then I'm investing in the same old investments and giving money to ExxonMobil and McDonald's and mm-hmm. everybody else whose mission I maybe maybe don't agree with. And I feel like I can do better. And I did a lot of looking everywhere and I talked to people and I, I 
talked to tons of people who said, yeah, I care too, but I don't feel like there are good options. Mm -hmm. Or in the last few years, then we've seen the rise in investing of what are called ESG funds, environmental, Mm -hmm. social, or governance. And those looked good at first, but then you you dig a little deeper and you see, oh, maybe this is actually just greenwashing Mm -hmm. or like what you could call woke washing, like making something seem progressive that really isn't. And so I think I shared the frustration that a lot of people have, which is like, I care about these issues. I want to support them with my money, but I don't know how. Yeah. And I sort of looked at it and went, okay, I've been trying for years to answer these questions. I don't see answers out there. I have time. I have the skills to try to figure this out. Maybe I can be the one to, to answer some of these questions. And and I really, I say it, it sounds silly, but it's true. I, I wrote this book, Wallet Activism, because I wanted to read this book. Mm. Because I wanted this book and I didn't feel that anybody else had taken it on in a serious way. And I was frustrated. And I think a lot of folks feel this too, that a lot of the solutions that are out there just seem too simplistic because folks will say like, well, make sure you recycle. Like, well, we've been recycling for 30 plus years and things are only getting worse. There's only Mm -hmm. more plastic in the oceans. So a lot of the the solutions out there felt too simplistic to me, which is why I think when you first picked up the book, you went, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be depressing because (laughs) I feel like it's really important to be honest with people and Mm -hmm. to level with people and to trust that a book reader can handle mm-hmm. the full scope of the problems that we're facing. Cause like we all look out at the world every day and we see how bad things are in some mm-hmm. ways and, and we see hope in other ways, but I think like sugarcoating that or oversimplifying it doesn't do anybody any favor. No. I think if we're serious about change, we got, we have to be honest. And then once we really look at stuff, we can say, okay, so that's what we're facing. What do we do now? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the hopeful piece comes in. Yes. And and it was really important to me that it be adaptable to anybody mm-hmm. and flexible to fit your financial circumstances, your life. You know, I'm not going to judge anybody for shopping at Amazon or Walmart. Like that, mm-hmm. it's not that kind of a book. Um, so <laughs> yeah, hopefully I achieved that, but that's why I wrote mm-hmm. it. Today's episode is brought to you by my free debt-free roadmap. If you have debt and you're trying to become debt-free, you know that it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming to figure out how to reach your end goal. And sometimes paying off debt is not as simple as it seems, which is why you need a roadmap fast. In this free debt-free roadmap, you're going to get the seven easy steps to follow that will set you up for actual success on your debt-free journey. And I'll be sharing with you the three most common mistakes holding people back from paying off debt so that you can avoid them every single month. Plus, you'll get free resources sent straight to your inbox every single week. Go to inspirebudget.com slash debt-free to get instant access or click the link in my show notes right now. you were writing the book because you were already asking the questions. You were already thinking there has to be a solution out there. You were solution oriented. Whereas when I picked up the book, I was like still feeling very, feeling like there wasn't a solution or that no solution was enough because all we've had are these oversimplified solutions, right? Mm -hmm. That's what made me feel like, well, this is like, we can't do much. We're just destined to fail. And that pessimistic view comes from seeing 
us repeat the same thing and nothing changing. So Mm -hmm. it was wonderful for me to start reading it and see that pessimistic viewed almost like fade away and turn to optimism. So for anyone who's listening to this and they think like, can I really make a difference with making the world a place that I want to be and that I want my children or my grandchildren growing up into and making the world a place where everyone is treated equally and we're not having just like the rich get richer, then this book is for you, I think, because it gives, I don't know, it gives hope. That, that's the nicest thing you could say about it. That oh, makes thank me really you. happy. <laughs> thank you. Um, so you mentioned in this book, and I felt it to my core, that people tend to think that we cannot achieve change with our own small individual choices. Just like I admitted to you very openly and vulnerably, is that a word? Vul- vulnerably? <laughs> And that we have to rely on policymakers, politicians, just leaders who are bigger, better, richer than us, right? So, but if we rely on them, then we have no impact. What what do we do? Do what we do even, does it even matter? So how do you recommend we combat that when that thought comes up? And is there truth to that thought that because I'm just little old me and I'm not a politician and I don't have you know millions of dollars to donate to a charity that my actions make a difference. I I think that there is truth to the idea that what politicians do is really important, but mm-hmm. that's not the whole story. You know, it, it, I think we tend to boil this down to either it's all on us as individuals to fix this, or it's all on government to fix it. And the truth is that it's on both, mm-hmm. that we need our policymakers to act. We need to hold them accountable as voters, or, you know, if you can't vote as someone who could still speak up on the local level and speak to your leaders. Um, so there, that's, that's an important piece of it, but the side that we as consumers control is really important too. You know, if you think about plastic water bottles, like when I was a kid in the early eighties, plastic water bottles weren't a thing. No, that was not a thing you could go to the store and buy. If you wanted water, you got a glass and (laughs) you turned the sink on. Yeah. And you you got the very fancy. Maybe you had the water thing in your fridge. Oh yeah. Um, We didn't have that growing up until much later. It was so exciting (laughs) whenever we were in high school. I'll never forget we were in high school. We got a new fridge and I was like, is this what it's like to be like part of the upper middle class? Like you have this fridge. Oh yeah. I remember we got that when I was in high school too. And it was the same thing. Like, oh, Mm. look, we've arrived. Yes, we made it. But that was, that was mostly pre-water bottles Mm -hmm. and now they're everywhere. And there are some folks who only drink water that way Mm -hmm. and- there, you know, we're, we're seeing that plastic everywhere in the world as a result of it. That's not something that was ever put up for a vote. That -hmm. was something that we as consumers decided we liked when the companies started offering it and people started buying those things. And so as a result, the plastic proliferated and there's more and more of it. And just to totally bum everybody out, almost no plastic is recycled. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of research on this now, but glass, metal, to some extent, paper, those things do tend to be recycled, but plastic, when you put it in the bin, it just goes to the landfill. Really? So, um, yeah, a huge bummer. But if you think about it like that, there are a ton of decisions we make that really never go through the legislative process that are mm-hmm. never subject to policy. And now you could ban them, you know, like some towns and states are banning plastic bags at the grocery mm-hmm. store. Or um, straws, so can- plastic straws. 
Yeah, which is a really unfortunate thing to be focused on because that really hurts disabled people. And in the scheme of mm. things, plastic straws are a tiny, tiny fraction of all the plastic that we use. So wow. we should be focusing on the bigger sources. Those are things I talk about in the book that we, we've tended to pit environmental interests against people. And we need to knock that off. We need to stop doing that. <laughs> because the truth is we we and the earth, you know, like we go together. We If the mm -hmm. earth is a mess. We are a mess. Mm -hmm. um, we need to stop thinking of these things as separate. Um, but anyway, to, to, to your question, um, which I always get to in a more meandering way, <laughs> what we do really does matter. And, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking with your teacher in high school and saying like, Oh, so nothing I do matters. Uh, but she's kind of pushing you to nihilism. It's so cheesy, but I always think about do you know the little parable of the the starfish? Like there's the man walking on the oh, beach. Oh, yes. And he's low tide. Yes. Yeah. He and there's starfish, starfish everywhere and they're all beached and and he's picking each one up and throwing them, but they're just tons. He's never going to get to all mm -hmm. of them. And this stranger comes up to him and says, you know, what, why are you doing this? It's so futile. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to get all of them. And even if you do, they're just going to be more tomorrow at the next low tide. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can't save all the starfish. And, and the man looks at the starfish in his hand and looks up at the stranger and says, it matters to this starfish. Oh, it's, it's so goofy uh, and cheesy, but I think of that all the time, you know, mm -hmm. where I think like, even if this act that I'm doing doesn't matter in the broader scheme, which I do actually believe it does. And I do believe the mm -hmm. more of us who do this stuff, the more it matters, but it also matters on a small level. Mm -hmm. You know, if you make the choice to shop at a small business instead of shopping yes. from one of the mega, mil uh, you know, retailers, you are helping that small business, even mm -hmm. if you're not shutting down Amazon, which I I'm not even arguing that that should be our goal. Uh, because right. I, I think there are benefits from that stuff that we don't often talk about. Like people tend to get so negative about made in China or say, oh, if you buy anything made from China, you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. but it's like manufacturing in China has been the greatest force the world has ever known for lifting people out of poverty. Mm -hmm. China used to be an incredibly poor nation. It's now considered solidly middle income. And now we could talk about uh, Xi's policies and the communist authoritarian state and their treatment of the Muslim Uyghurs. We could mm -hmm. talk about, you know, they do a lot of bad stuff. I'm not arguing right. to support China, but just that issues have different sides. And if we mm -hmm. only care about poverty in our own backyard, and not in a global sense, we're missing out on a lot that is ultimately happening. So mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's good to look at all the different levels and say, well, maybe I'm not benefiting somebody here, but maybe I'm benefiting somebody over there, or maybe, you know, it's just about this starfish. I think that's mm -hmm. great too. And I love that you look at it like that because it could be so easy to forget that a small, simple decision that we make can actually make a difference because it mm -hmm. feels like it doesn't. And we're told that it doesn't, but I think that that, like, if I could start thinking like that, and I'm just saying for me, not even for anyone listening to this, but if I could start thinking that way, then I think that I could actually change some of my habits and realizing that it's not about saving the world and, 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 and it, it is, and it isn't right. But if that's all I focus on, I could burn out and give mm -hmm. up really quick. But when it comes to changing the way you spend your money for good and for, for doing good in the world, it's really helpful to see the difference that you're making. I, I think about it this way. I don't know. This might be a terrible analogy. <laughs> With a podcast, podcasting is wonderful and I love it because I get to talk to people like you and I get to reach so many people in a different form and they enjoy, you know, someone who might not be a reader, but they're a listener and that's fine. 
However, podcasting, it can be so hard to get feedback from your listeners because there's not an easy like DM button. There's not an easy feedback button, right? It's There's this barrier to hearing whether or not you're making a difference. Whereas when I write an article on my website or I post on social media, it's very easy for people to give me feedback. And so it's easy for me to see over there that I'm making a difference. However, and, and so there are times when I'm like, does my podcast actually reach people? Like, are people actually enjoying it? And it's not that they aren't, it's that there's that extra barrier to realizing it. And so I think that when it comes to making decisions in our world and how we spend our money, there's this extra barrier sometimes to realizing that our small decisions do matter because there's not that ease of feedback, of that immediate feedback. And so, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It doesn't mean that it's not there. I think that's a perfect analogy actually. And, and when your book comes out, it's going to be even a bigger barrier. <laughs> Thanks. You, you, yeah. You hear less with books than even with podcasts because the podcast folks are already on their phone. And mm-hmm. so there's a, an easier way to write reviews or, you know, yeah. pop over to your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, I, I think that's a perfect analogy. One thing I'll add to that, that I, I think is just helpful is you were talking about the little choices. I actually think you, you'll burn yourself out really fast mm-hmm. if you try to focus on all your little choices. You know, I, I think focusing first, it's just like with any financial decision, yeah. focusing on the big stuff first is going to have the biggest impact. So it's, I have a lot of friends who think that going to Chick-fil-A, for example, is really terrible because Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. has been against LGBTQ plus rights mm-hmm. and pushes like a, a really religious focused agenda that not everybody agrees with. And so I would say, okay, if you eat at Chick-fil-A every day, then Mm -hmm. maybe reconsidering that if it doesn't align to your values is a good idea. But if you eat at Chick-fil-A twice a year, like what is the point of beating yourself up (laughs) about a choice where you spend $20 $20 there a year? Mm -hmm. I, I like to think of it as imagine a political candidate whose views you really hate. Mm-hmm. Think about then the amount of money you're spending on some choice and think, okay, if I had to give that money to that candidate, how would I feel about that? Mm. Like if it's thousands of dollars a year, you'd probably feel really gross about that. And yeah. Wouldn't like want to change that. Yeah. But if it's something really tiny, then that give yourself, if that's like a highlight to get your Chick-fil-A twice a year, then do it. That's my, my goofy little example, but I think you can extrapolate that out to anything. So if you're like sweating the $5 decisions. And meanwhile, you work at a job where you're contributing really bad things to society. And you know that, you know, maybe reconsider your career Mm -hmm. uh, or or like not your full career, but just where you work. Okay. But I want to ask you that then what are the things that we could do? Like if you were to say the choices that we make, like focus on the things that have like the biggest bang for their buck, if you will, right? A Mm -hmm. couple of things that have the biggest bang for their buck. Where would I start? Like me or the listener, what types of questions should we ask ourselves to help us identify what it is? Because it's one thing to talk about it like abstractly in theory, but what does that actually look like? Yeah. So I think it's two big things. The first is looking at your own values because it's easy to feel like you have to tackle every problem. But if, for example, you care about the climate, first and foremost, you're going to make very different choices than someone who's totally focused on racial justice and shrinking the racial wealth gap. 
you know, shrinking the racial wealth gap, you might be focused on actually spending more, but spending it differently, like spending it at businesses mm -hmm. owned by people of color and seeking out products made by people where if you're climate focused, your focus might be spending as little as you can, cutting meat out of your diet, getting rid of your car. Like it's going to lead you to different choices. And so I think it's really helpful. And I, I give exercises uh -huh. in the book to do that. So that's the first part. And then the second part is thinking about, like, we mm -hmm. all earn money. We all spend money. We all eat. We all live somewhere. We all invest hopefully in some way or are working toward that. We all are thinking about charitable giving, small or large, but looking really at your own situation. So what are your highest impact choices? So like if you work in a career path that you know is, I mean, yeah. it's toxic for you. Like if it's bad for you, that's important mm -hmm. for your health that you address that. But if you know that, okay, it's bad for you and it's bad for society in some way, maybe you can start thinking about if there's a way you could pivot mm -hmm. to a different field or to a different company that's that's less destructive in some way, both to you, that's important and, and society. But if your biggest thing is you invest a lot, you're looking at that. You're looking at how can I clean that up? If you know, okay, where I live is, is in different ways harmful and that's a whole different topic. Mm -hmm. There's a chapter in the book on it um, that, that I recommend checking out. You can look there. If you spend a lot at the store or you know online, that could be where you start. So it's, it's looking at whatever are kind of mm -hmm. those big impact things for, for your own situation. I can't say, okay, here's the formula right. because everyone's financial situation. Right. But is I totally love that different. you came down to what are your values? Like you can't save the world for everything. So what matters the most to you? What do you care about the most and focusing there? So I do love that because I think that that's so important that we are passionate about something, that there is something that we are passionate mm -hmm. about. It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be the same as what I'm passionate about, or even the same as your partner or your children, but that you're, or your parents, but you're passionate about something. That's what's going to give you energy to keep going because otherwise it feels like a slog mm -hmm. or it can feel like a diet. Yeah. You know, if it feels like deprivation, it's, right. it's not going to last. So your goal here isn't to say, okay, what's all the stuff I have to give up because it's bad. It's to say, what are some sustainable changes I can make? right now. And then maybe next year you can add a few more and you can build over time yeah. or maybe not. You know, I think that's, that's the goal is something we can all sustain because that's the only way that progress will yeah. really I happen. Love it. Okay. One more thing before we move on to our three questions, you outline four questions that we should ask ourselves as people to promote change. Can you really quickly go through what they are? I know, I know this is <laughs> like, you're like, what quickly? <laughs> Can you just tell me what they are and how they have actually changed your outlook, you as a person on spending money? Yes. So the four questions are and mm -hmm. these are meant to be guiding questions you can use in any choice. So it's for whom. So it's thinking about with a with a choice, mm -hmm. who is it benefiting? And I, I like to think about that as like, if someone says, okay, you should buy Patagonia because it's the most environmentally mm -hmm. friendly or something. Although, you know, it's great Ooh, that- um, Can we, can we do a, an example? Like, let's do one example and answer the four questions. Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. let's, let's okay. use a Patagonia jacket. And so for, for whom would be mm -hmm. saying like, okay, who's benefiting if, okay. if I do this thing? And, you know, in some cases, like they actually pay their mm -hmm. workers pretty well. So that's probably pretty good. You can look at things like, is- is that actually going to benefit the things that I need it to benefit? And maybe the answer is actually just keep using oh, the jacket okay. you have, or if you can afford it, maybe it's buying that jacket, but it could also be buying mm -hmm. a jacket at the thrift store, you know, things like that. The second question is, can everyone do this? Patagonia is a great example for this because can everyone do this? I, I think of this in terms of like, 
does, is this choice accessible to everybody, which Patagonia prices, absolutely not. But it's also, what does it tell you if everyone can't do this? And in this case, maybe it tells you that, well, actually producing something really ethically Mm. is incredibly expensive to do. And thus all the cheap stuff we're Mm. buying is too cheap, is, is underpriced, which leads to the third question it was great that you said, let's do an example because Patagonia is, gives us good segues. The third question is, is it too cheap? Is it too cheap? And that's cheap? a good question to ask, especially for personal finance nerds who love a good deal. Often a good deal is coming mm-hmm. at someone else's expense. So is it too cheap tells us that, okay, it couldn't have been produced with mm-hmm. labor that was paid enough for their time. It was probably done with mm-hmm. uh, cutting corners environmentally. It was probably made somewhere where labor is much cheaper and exploited. And so those are important questions to ask and to say, okay, if this is really mm-hmm. cheap, do I really need it? Could I, if it's something I really need, could I save up and pay a little more and try to find out, okay, was it produced with labor that mm-hmm. was well-paid, that kind of thing. And then finally, the fourth question is what am I funding? So what type of world am I helping create if I contribute profits to the entity offering something? So that's thinking about like, what type of political donations uh, do this Patagonia those companies contribute to? Contribute to? Yeah. So with the Patagonia example, it's not too cheap. We covered that, but what am I funding? They, they do tend to support mm-hmm. progressives and climate-friendly policies and better labor practices. Again, they're not perfect. They've been tied to some forced labor in China. Yeah, no, it's no perfect. You're never <laughs> going to find it. So don't, <laughs> otherwise you're buying nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. But those, those, each of those questions probably will jump out mm-hmm. to folks differently, but my goal is to give you sort of a set of questions you can ask when you're looking at something at the store, or you're looking at something online, or you're thinking about working in a particular career field or giving to a particular cause, thinking about like, what's ultimately mm-hmm. the impact of my money. I think that's better than trying to figure out, okay, what are the 10,000 things I need right. to know about this object? Generally, we have a sense of like, okay, if I'm at this store this is the kind of company they are. This is the kind of stuff they support. Mm-hmm. Is that something I support and want to support? Are their items too cheap? Are they benefiting mm-hmm. folks? You know, like, and you can look at it lots of different ways. My goal isn't to tell you how to think about it. It's just yeah. to give you a system that you can make the choices that align to your values. Even if honestly right. those values aren't mine and you don't agree with me, I still think we're all better off if we're making our choices mm-hmm. with, you know, our eyes wide open and oh my thinking gosh, I about love our that. values. That is wonderful. And I love that you said you're not trying to like push an agenda here not about that. It's the only agenda you're pushing is to just think through things differently, right? To think through your money and your spending differently. So thank you, Tanya. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about you. So I am not blogging as much as I used to, but you can still find links to all of the different things I do at my website, ournextlife.com. And there you can link to my very occasional (laughs) podcast, also called Wallet Activism, and link to my socials. I'm mostly on Instagram and Twitter for the time being. We'll see where that goes. Uh, And those are both at our underscore next life. And yeah, the the book Wallet Activism has just, it's it's, Mm -hmm. my whole heart and soul are in this book, unlike my first one work optional, but it's mm-hmm. folks do one thing. I think checking out the book is really where to, where to get it all. All the good stuff is there. Yes. And I will link to it in the show notes. And then if you can't afford it, you can always go to your library and ask them to buy it. Let them know that you want them to buy this book. So that way you can check it out. And even just getting it into the library puts it in more people's hands. For sure. I definitely yes. support that. Getting yes. it at the library is great. Yes. <laughs> 
So Tanya, I want to learn a little bit more about you and have our listeners do the same thing. So I want you to answer these questions. Don't think too much about them. The first one is what's one thing that you're looking forward to right now? I'm going to say two things. And okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Don't apologize. On a personal level, um, one of the things I've really been doing a lot of lately since I have more free time these days is taking community college classes and I'm taking an oil painting class in the spring. I'm super excited about that. So that's my personal level thing. And then on a broad societal level, I'm just really feeling hopeful about climate change for the first time in forever and really loving how much we're starting to invest in it. And people are starting to talk about it a lot more. And there was an article in the Atlantic the other day that said, we're actually meeting the Paris goals for the first time, which is when the, the world community got together and said, okay, here are our targets for global warming. And so we're far from Mm -hmm. fixing it all, but we're seeing real progress. And I I just think it's important to stop and notice that and say it out loud and go like, wow, yay. Okay, good. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We're moving in the right direction, right? That's what we can't ask for, for perfection, but we can ask for progress in the right direction. Yeah. The second question is what's one money mistake you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Oh my gosh. Um, I have made 5,000 money mistakes. And I think it's good for people to know people who write books about money are still human. Oh my gosh. Yes. I've made so many money mistakes. I'm still making them. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the things, the thing I would say the most is just, I have definitely done lifestyle inflation a lot of different ways in my life because I'm fundamentally a spender and I I like to have things, which I know probably sounds funny for someone who retired early and is writing a money, but you know, writes about money and values. But again, we're, we're all human. And I think Mm -hmm. not expanding your life and trying to look at the point when you're content and looking at, you know, can you enjoy what you have already? Those are really positive things to do to the extent that you can, but you know, if you make that mistake, we're all human. You just try to grow and move forward. Yeah. And you can always like try to backtrack. I know it's hard to backtrack. Like if you over inflate your lifestyle with like the home you buy or rent, you know, you might be stuck somewhere for a little bit, but you can always try to backtrack a little bit. I know we have done that too. The last question is my favorite thing I've ever spent money on is. Oh, hands down. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is travel just by far. That's something that I think is, it makes me a better person. Mm -hmm. It expands my view of the world. Some of my best experiences of all come from that. And it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, travel could be taking, you know, traveling off season and staying in hostels and very cheap hotels. And I think people assume, oh, you like to travel around the world that it means I'm doing it fancy. But like my, my last trip pre-pandemic was to Ecuador and I did a bus tour around the country and stayed in like bunk beds. And (laughs) I love it. You know, it wasn't fancy at all, but it's just like, that's, those are my best memories in life and they're so worth it. Oh, I love it. Do you have any trips planned or anywhere you want to go next? No, my husband and I are both immunocompromised. Mm. So we're still sticking pretty close to home. I'm really hoping, hoping to visit family in Germany next year. I'm a dual citizen there and we hope to traditionally retire there. We say that's where we'll move when we really retire. So yeah. So we just haven't been in a while and want to go see family and Yeah. yeah, spend, spend time with people you love. Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you, Tanya, so much for joining us. And I hope that this conversation has left people feeling hopeful about our future and about the impact that they can make on the world. I'll link to everything below so that way everyone can get in touch with you and check out Wallet Activism. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a good time. 
Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Tanya Hester. And if you're interested in learning more about her new book, Wallet Activism, be sure to check out the link in my show notes. And as always, if you're enjoying the Inspire Budget podcast, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll see you back next week with a brand new episode. Bye for now.